Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. The Visibility Factor podcast is brought to you in part by the 90-Day Visibility Breakthrough Accelerator Program. Do you believe deep down inside that you can have a bigger career, but you don't know how to get there? You can keep doing what you're doing, but what if there is a better way that could accelerate your progress? This 90-day program is a powerful experience that is unique to you and provides dedicated time to focus on your specific challenge. It gives you the time to develop big ideas and plans to execute them, including the tools, resources, and motivation needed for success. Hundreds of clients have used this same program to take them to the next level in their career and to create a better life. Join me in a 90-day experience that focuses on challenges like creating a strategic plan, how to lead an organizational change, or prepare for a career transition. This dedicated time will help you see new possibilities, recognize your strengths, and take away key insights that can be leveraged immediately. Are you ready to create a breakthrough for yourself? If you're interested in learning more, visit susanmbarber.com forward slash visibility breakthrough accelerator for more information and to sign up for the program. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, your host. I'm thrilled today to have Allison Leverett Morris here today with you. She and I met on LinkedIn and we had a great conversation about leadership and the things that she's doing with leaders. And I love her perspective on values and authenticity, which are things that I talk about. And I thought she could share some of that great knowledge with all of you. So welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Sue. It's great to be here. Of course. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. So would you mind just sharing a quick background on you? And I know that you are not in the U.S., so share where you're living and what you're doing a little bit with the audience, and then we'll get into some questions. Sure. I'm in the U.K. I live in the beautiful city of Oxford, and I am a leadership coach with a focus on neuroscience and psychology. So that's what I'm doing today and had quite a long journey to arrive here. (laughs) Um, And really, I'm bringing, I guess, 25 years of different strands of my career together to support and serve leaders today. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about what you did first? Because I think that informs a lot of the work that you're doing uh, because you were previously a psychotherapist. Mm. And I know that you kind of leveraged that along with the things that you're doing in neuroscience. So could you share a little bit about how that transition from that world into the world you're in now has been for you? Yes, a really interesting transition. Prior to being a psychotherapist, I was actually CEO of an arts and mental health charity. So really, I started out working one-to-many, if you like, on, on programs. And after a decade of that, I wanted to, to really understand what drives human behavior at a deeper level. And so it was at that point that I retrained to be a hypnopsychotherapist and was in clinical practice doing one-to-one work only for 10 years. And so now it's come out again that I'm working much more at scale with groups as well as individuals. But 
bringing that, you know, over 10 years and working with hundreds of people, thousands of clinical hours, bringing that depth of understanding into what it is to be human, which we all are, into my coaching. So that's the brief, the mm-hmm. brief journey that I went on. And then the brief <laughs> transition was sort of out in, yeah. out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's really fascinating. Yeah, because most people pick a pick a lane, right, and stay there, but you went both ways. What do you think makes you happier to work with? Does it make you happier to work one-on-one or do you prefer the group? Because some people have a real strong preference. I actually love both. I, I, I love both. At this point in my career, what I really love to do is, is um, just share share the expertise and experience from my field to help leaders unlock the real value of their expertise in their chosen field. Mm -hmm. And so there is something powerful about doing that in group. Mm -hmm. And there's something very fulfilling about working with people in leadership roles because there's such an amazing ripple effect the impact is so far greater than anything that I could achieve one-to-one because Mm -hmm. people in leadership positions have the opportunity to positively influence. So, yeah, but I, I, I continue to do both group and one-to-one because there's, there's a place for both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. So, a couple of the things that we initially talked about when we met, uh, one was values and you wrote a beautiful piece in a group that we are a part of. And I would love for you to share your perspective about values and the importance of knowing them and having them as a leader. Hmm. Because of course we all have values, whether we're aware of them and whether we know them is a different matter. and. I think the piece that you're referring to, Sue, was when I was writing about what we do when nobody's watching, Mm -hmm. because that's when (laughs) our, you know, our real values, the values that we actually live by, come to the fore. And so in my work with leaders, this is so important because any leader, any business can have the best copy, you know, the best list of values written in their business plan or on their website. But an individual's values are lived. They are lived experiences. And it's so important for people in positions of leadership to be aware of their values because the most senior people in any organisation will be setting the culture through Mm -hmm. their behaviour, through how they live, through how they communicate, through how they engage or don't. So it's very important to be aware of our values and actually take the time to dive into them and reflect because just like our mobile phones that need, or or cell phones, as you say in the States, um, mobile, we say in the UK, they need a system update. You know, every now and then they need to be updated. And we humans are much the same. We can be running on old programs and it's very powerful and useful and important to just check in with ourselves at times and say is this still who I am today and is that aligned with how I'm showing up in the world because there can be a disconnect there 
And often that will not just hold an individual back, a team back and a business back, but that lack of alignment very often comes back down to values. People feel it if they're not living in alignment with their values, but wouldn't necessarily compute that consciously. (laughs) Um, You know, we don't walk around thinking, am I living my values today? But actually we are living our values every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's something I, I feel really strongly about. And certainly for myself personally, I know when something just <gasps> feels wrong or, or, or mm-hmm. you know, my, my, the hairs go up and you just feel, uh, <laughs> I'm not okay with this. So, yeah. yeah, it's important. So when a leader is not aligned with their values, what are some things that you might do to help them get back in alignment? Gosh, that's a really interesting question. I... I don't think that scenarios ever come up. You know, people don't mm-hmm. tend to say, I'm out of alignment with my values <laughs> or, or, um, or certainly I wouldn't, you know, notice it or point somebody and say, you're clearly out of alignment with your values. Yeah. It's, it's more something that's arrived at through the work mm-hmm. that I do because so much of my coaching process is about um, reconnecting people to who they authentically are, to to be standing confidently in who they are and dissolving some of those layers that we all develop over a lifetime that that separate us. You know, we have layers Mm -hmm. of limiting beliefs or self-doubt or fears and all of these things. So so that's the place that I'm usually working um, in, in collaboration to dissolve those and so the values just naturally are there anyway. You know, most mm. of our values are kind of inherent. They don't change. They don't change yeah. like goals. Our goals might change, but generally mm-hmm. our values have been there a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people who don't always align with their company's values. Mm-hmm. And we try to talk about those situations where maybe they've gotten feedback that they haven't shown up in the best way. And sometimes, I've leveraged values as a way to say, you know, how are you aligned with the company's values? Because if you're not aligned with those, maybe there's an opportunity to have a discussion around that. Is this is this the place for you, right? Or is there other opportunities to do something different? And I love what you talk about around authenticity. I think it's really fascinating to me. I, I try to be pretty authentic and pretty vulnerable in most situations, but I do feel like it's something that people put on a mask or they try to show up as a different person. So why do you think authenticity is so hard for leaders to do? Lots of reasons. I mean, because I agree with you, you know, I think it's widely accepted that authenticity is such an important quality in in a leader. But it's not easy to do, even though it should be, because it's just Mm -hmm. being ourselves, right? But being ourselves is not easy. Firstly, it's knowing ourselves, knowing who we are, what we stand for, what our potential is, what we're capable of, what we love, what we're passionate about, what our purpose in life is. All of these things contribute to authenticity. But actually, you know, it's it's not uncommon for I don't know the statistic, but many people, certainly many people I work with, really struggle to find their purpose in life or their 
passion or to align those two, you know, the, the passion and purpose or in their career to align what they're good at with what their passion and purpose is. So, so these components, these are all components of authenticity because somebody could be very good technically in a particular career dimension but not be that not be their passion or for that not to feel like that's their purpose in life in which case that is just one example of where it would be very hard then to bring your whole authentic self into that leadership role because you you, you know you're not aligned you're not deeply connected and certainly with um the work that I do connect purpose is at the heart of my leadership framework both the business purpose but even more importantly personal purpose and that's the game changer really when when we connect powerfully to our purpose it's like a guiding light that's the compass that uh, that brings everything into alignment and if you're a leader a leader is not a leader if people aren't engaged with them, they're following, they're inspired, they're aligned with you. So understanding how to first connect with your purpose yourself, but ignite that in others, that's leadership. That's when it begins to feel effortless, that it's not hard work and, um, and a struggle and, and that work feels less like work. And Certainly the work I do with teams around purpose, we always start with personal purpose, whatever the business is, because in many businesses, just to give one example of a business that I work with, they work in water safety. Well, most I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying that most of their employees weren't there at school or at college or, you know, burning in life. For water to be safe you know that's not their purpose so so we have to be realistic if you're making <laughs> widgets or whatever you're doing you know that's not people's life purpose but actually you can align the two that people feel very purposeful in their role and that's where the neuroscience and psychology come in that's why for me I feel it's just essential in any sort of teamwork because we're working with humans and we come alive when we love something, when we're passionate, when we, when there's a purpose to what we're doing, when we're contributing. Yes. So back to your question about authenticity, I don't believe we can, we just cannot bring our authentic selves fully if we're bored, disengaged or not on board with the thing that we're doing. So mm -hmm. it really has to come back to who we are and what ignites us as people yeah before we can even begin to think about being authentic <laughs> i love all of that uh and i i hope people can watch the highlight video and catch just how excited and energetic <laughs> that allison is about this because she is so uh, passionate about this topic you know i was thinking about when i first became a, a leader of people and i remember that moment and i've talked about it a little bit on the show where i got the title but I kept doing the exact same things I was already doing as an individual contributor. So I hadn't made the shift in my head. And I didn't realize until probably a few years later when I started working with a coach and a mentor 
that it was important for me to understand who I wanted to be as a leader and really do that reflection. And that was not something I even considered. I'm like, oh, great, I have a title. I'm just going to you know, make sure we get all our stuff done. And But I wasn't really being a leader. I just had a title. So I personally see like the, the jump from being an individual contributor to a leader of people is one of the most challenging for everyone to go through. And then obviously, as you go higher, you know, probably from like, I don't know, senior director, director to VP or VP to C-suite kind of thing is another jump. But I'm curious if that's something you're seeing as well in your work. It's the hardest jump to make. It really is. It's such a transition. It's a completely different way of thinking because you have reached the level of being promoted into that leadership role because you are usually, because you are very, very good at what you do. And you know your field or you know your, you know, your technical skills or you've achieved. It's a completely different mindset, brain set, experience, everything to be leading a team. So it's, it's a phenomenally hard thing to go alone. And that's what happens to, well, to you, to me, to so many leaders that have to struggle with that transition because Actually, what it is is an identity shift. You know, over over years, usually, of they're forming an identity. I am good at this. I know how to do this. I can achieve this. The harder I work, I will achieve this. And it's usually those driven high achievers that will be promoted into a leadership role. And then suddenly, <laughs> it's about having people under you in your team who are way better than you at certain things that's a leader, being able to engage people who are disengaged, Mm -hmm. being able to resolve conflicts, being able to inspire people, being able to have difficult conversations. Gosh, that's a huge one. Um, Being okay with Mm -hmm. the win or the achievement being your team's, not yours. All of these things, this is hard for a human. You know, we are we are sensitive souls, no matter how tough we are mm-hmm. at work. This is, we're not wired, you yes. know, we're not wired to, um, if you've been driven and driven, we're not wired to let that go easily. And it isn't easy to let it go. So this is the value of being supported through that transition. Um, yeah. And, and actually, certainly in my personal experience, in my journey as a leader, but absolutely with those that I'm privileged to coach it's when careers become deeply fulfilling when it becomes about something bigger than you yeah and you're contributing in a completely different way than just being good at a particular part of your job mm-hmm. yeah so it's a journey worth taking but it's not an easy one <laughs> Yeah, but it's definitely worth it when you get to the other side and realize what that could look like. Uh, Yeah, and I feel like most of the time it has to do a little bit with trust, like letting go of control that you have to be the one doing it and giving that trust to someone else that you want them to do it. And it may not be done the same way as you. You might have to let go of the outcome looking the same way. As long as you get to the outcome, that's the important part. But the how can be different. And I've seen a lot of people struggle with that. 
I definitely feel like I struggled with that because I knew a lot of my team's jobs. I had been in the group for a while and got promoted from within. So I think that's a harder place to get promoted from as as opposed to outside the group. You don't know as much and it's easier. So I always advocate for people, don't learn everyone else's jobs. <laughs> don't learn all the content. Don't learn all the detail. Know enough to be dangerous and ask a lot of good questions. It will help you so much more if you're leading from that place than knowing all the details. And it's, I think it's, that's why I think it's such a hard transition is people are trying to control outcomes and make them, you know, look the same as if they were doing them. And it's just not that easy. I love that. I love what you said, particularly as knowing your outcome is step one on my leadership framework. It's so Mm -hmm. important to be clear on the outcome and to communicate the outcome ensure that your whole team is clear and aligned with the outcome and then for there to be clarity on purpose again as I said the individual connection personal purpose and business purpose and then the how the how it's done that comes third and strategy is important and quality of work is important all of those things are important but if you haven't got those first two dialed in then that's when it feels really hard to let go of it because it's like, because you're trying to control the outcome instead of just communicating it and bringing people on board and excited and trusting, just as you said, trusting that the how may be a little bit different to how you would do it yourself. Yes, exactly. Let go of the how. Yes, exactly. I'm curious if you, you know, what you brought up about people their teams knowing more than they do, it creates, I think, insecurity in leaders and they struggle with, should I really be the leader? My team knows way more than I do. You know, my perspective is that you want strong team members around you who know more than you in areas that you're not strong in. And so building a team of diverse perspectives and experiences is a really good thing. But I'm curious if from a perspective of, imposter syndrome, because I talk a lot about imposter syndrome. And that is what's happening to that person is I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not blah, 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 all the things. And there is a research study done here where it's around 70% or so of people are walking around with imposter syndrome every day. I'm curious. I don't know if that's the same in the UK or if you've heard any statistics around that, but I just think about all the wasted ideas and recommendations and decisions that aren't being made because people are struggling with, oh my gosh, I don't know enough. And I went through that. So I I know what that feels like, but I'm curious your perspective around that whole topic. I think it's, it. oh gosh, it can be crippling to feel, um, to be walking around with that, um, that when it's really gone deep of I'm not good enough or I don't know enough or I'm going to get found mm-hmm. out or I can't manage this team. I can't manage this team of talent. It will, not only is it painful at the individual level, it's so damaging for a business because you then create a culture where you're recruiting recruiting in um, people who have less you know that you're comfortable around because they're not stretching you or they don't know more than you which is Mm -hmm. not leadership today my take on this in terms of the firstly I absolutely hear the identity shift that hasn't happened that somebody that's really struggling with that is still thinking as an individual contributor and thinking 
in a hierarchical way that therefore they are senior so they need to know the most. So that's an identity shift that that absolutely can be supported. So that alone will take the, the notch down a bit of imposter syndrome. But secondly, it's thinking, mm-hmm. I think it can be really helpful and empowering for leaders to just think of how much has changed in leadership in recent history. You know, the days of command and control, they don't really fit in the world today for so many reasons, tech being one of them. You know, with the advances in tech, you know, it's imp- how can the most senior person in a business know more than their um, CTO? <laughs> How can they? Or anyone in their tech department or their, you know, so that alone can be kind of, ah, <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. It just, it just kind of shines a spotlight of how different the world that we are living in today is. It's no longer the case where the boss knows everything and gives everyone instructions. We need people. We need talent. We need, you know, people of all strengths and um, skill sets and diverse opinions and backgrounds and, you know, to contribute to the overall success. And sometimes that shift can be as simple as just saying that or hearing somebody say that of like, oh, yeah, it takes the pressure of having to be everything. And then I'm always very solution focused in everything I do. And I like to put a positive frame around imposter syndrome. And very often I will be saying to my clients, if you're not feeling it, you've allowed allowing yourself to be too comfortable. You know, we innately as humans are meant to thrive, not just survive. And Mm -hmm. That's what's so exciting about neuroscience. You know, the advances in neuroscience in the last 20 years are, excuse the pun, you know, they're they're mind-blowing. We can literally see, (laughs) we can see the change happening at the brain level through fMRI imaging. And, and of course, we're no longer living in the caves. And thankfully, of course, some people are in terrible conditions in the world still today. But most of us, our basic needs are met. And when our basic needs, our basic human needs are met, then we are meant to thrive and and step into our potential. And it's that primitive part of our brain, the survival part of the brain that will say, no, that's an unclear path ahead. I don't like that. And it'll give us anxiety. It will do anything to, to keep us in the comfort zone. And so unfortunately, that's how our brains are. They're wired to give us this sense of not being good Mm -hmm. enough, which is why most high achievers, most of the most phenomenally awesome people still have to go through this. And I still go through, you mentioned that you did, I still go through this. And I'm pleased I do because it means that I'm not settling. I'm still like, there's another level. There's another level Mm -hmm. I can can move. And I have shifted my career many times. I have. and even in what I'm doing now, I'm always thinking, what's next? How can I impact more? How can I contribute more? But I will always get that voice who, you know, you've done well enough, or who do you think you are? Or, oh my God, nobody's going to want that. Or no, you know, and I just know it's that primitive part of my brain saying, don't thrive. I don't want you to thrive. Yeah. I just want you to survive. So we have to, yeah, we have to get in charge of that part of our brain because it, 
it keeps us playing small, smaller than we are. Yeah, and such a waste of potential, right? Such a waste of potential. So, uh, yeah, in my book, um, my voice in my head, I gave her a UK accent and said her name was Victoria. So when I read the audiobook, um, I used a British accent, uh, which is so funny, um, which is, you know, I think it worked out okay, but it was just kind of funny. I was watching The Crown at the time and I thought, you know, she is kind of snippy and kind of looking down upon me. I think she should be called that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think you chose a good voice. <laughs> yeah. Queen Victoria wouldn't no, have been No, she would have told to me exactly how yeah. to feel. Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, so quickly, one of the things that you and I talked about last time was around influence and judgment. Like you cannot influence someone that you might be judging and I think that is very common for people to have judgment against someone that they need help from, or they need someone to give them guidance or support, but they just don't maybe trust them. They don't feel like they're smart enough, but they're above them and they need their help for whatever reason. Could you share a little bit about that really quick? Yes, sure. It, it follows on from what I was just saying about command and control. Um, today, leadership is not about command and control. It's all about influence, as you say. And we cannot achieve or, or, or have influence over an individual or a team if we're judging them. It's, it's, a, it's an unconscious, energetic, felt thing. If we are judging somebody, then no matter what we're saying or doing, Actually, we're trying mm. to control somebody <laughs> or have them do exactly what we want them to do. And that's not what influence is. Influence is an, of, an ability to inspire, engage, and draw people to you and inspire behaviors that align with that shared vision, that shared purpose, that shared goal. So if you are judging someone, they will not, they may, if they're still doing it, yeah. <laughs> it's because they have to, to keep their job or to feel psychologically safe. And that again, mm -hmm. that's not influence. And that's a bit of an ouch moment for many leaders who, who you know, we all love, don't we all love to think that we're hugely influential and people just are drawn to us. But actually, I think it's a really important fact to have in awareness as a leader and and really you see actually you asked me earlier about that transition from therapist to coach for me this is the heart of it because as psychotherapists we are absolutely trained to have unconditional positive regard and to not judge and I never intended to be a coach. I never intended to work with leaders. My work just naturally flowed into it. But I think what's powerful, as I observe it, is that lack of judgment that I spent 10 years on the other side of the fence listening to my clients struggling in truly toxic work cultures, really difficult bosses, um, really painful situations and I would absolutely be supporting them, empowering them, listening with empathy etc but I, I didn't 
judge the person I never met either. In fact, I often wished I could support that mm-hmm. person because I could hear a person struggling. And for me, this is the place I come from. It's so easy to criticize leaders. It, it really is. And, and people do. But actually, I admire anyone who has the courage to step up and give it the shot. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. And humans are complex. So leading a team on top of a busy job, a demanding role, that's not an easy thing to do, which is why if I was judging, you know, look how you're screwing up that team. This is what your team is saying. How could I positively influence that? They would feel it. And they would feel it. Of course, I would never say that. But I respect people's intelligence and their emotional intelligence. People can feel if they're being judged. And so it's not, it's not a calculated creating a non-judgmental space. I genuinely don't judge people. People make mistakes. People do terrible things. But actually, that's my role as leader. You know, I'm, I'm looking to meet people where they are and lead them to where they want to go, where they want to be. Right. And I couldn't do my work if I was judging people. And then in turn, how that ripples down, they cannot engage their team if they are judging them. And in a business, you know, there's, you know, there's, the list is long of things, where are the solutions and what to sort out. But actually, there are a few people where it's like, put all the blame on them. You know, there are, there are process factors or policy things or, you know, there, there are many things to resolve, none of which get solved if you're judging, in my view. That's yeah. just my view. Yeah, I, I have gone through that evolution myself, and it is interesting to now see the world as I see it today versus how I saw it when I first started as a leader. And one of the things that I always try to ask as a question of someone who's in that situation where it's maybe a very difficult, judgmental thing happening is, can you have compassion for that person and what they are going through or what they have been through? Because most of the time, they may have went through a really tough situation where they had a toxic boss. And unfortunately, they picked up those same, I don't know, ways of being <laughs> as a leader. And so they don't know any better potentially, right? So if if people can go in with compassion, it's a different conversation. And if they can go in, you know, forgetting for the moment some of those things that may have happened in the past and try to go in with a clean slate, you can have a different conversation. And so I know that that when I say that to people, it's probably the last thing they want to hear from me, but I think it helps them think about a different possibility and how they can have a different relationship with that person. And I've seen it happen many times and I've definitely experienced it myself. So that's one of the areas that I try to think about. I completely agree with you. It's a completely different conversation. And I think, um, or certainly from what I've experienced working with leaders, often there's a fear that if if they show compassion then or kindness, then somehow that means tolerating unacceptable behaviour, yeah. which of course it doesn't. Not tolerating poor standards or unacceptable behaviour is a, is a key part of a leader's role. And they are different things. You can separate out the, a behaviour or a practice 
and still have compassion for an individual. Mm -hmm. And just as you say, to enter into a conversation with compassion for a person, it opens up a completely different conversation. And it is important to challenge standards, processes, practices, behaviours that are not acceptable because a leader that doesn't, that doesn't have those difficult conversations is actually enabling, um, right. yeah, things to not work out And I've seen that well. way too many times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to talk uh, really quickly about your mission. Your mission is really big. And so I would love for you to share your mission and talk about what that means. How, how do you envision getting there? So my mission is to positively change 10 million minds. And I have a number of ways that I hope to achieve this, that I intend to achieve this. I am co-founder of a tech startup. We're in really early stages, but we're working on a very innovative app that will provide a, a low cost solution. Um, and actually include many of the processes that I deliver in such a low cost way. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited for that. We're early stages. It will be 18 months at least before that's ready to go out to market. But second to that, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I've shifted beyond working one to one now. So I have group programs. Very excited about a new program, Amplify, which is starting in January. I have a, a group program called Breakthrough to Best You, which is about dissolving those limiting beliefs, those patterns, and really understanding brain set and mindset. We hear so much about mindset today. And it's a bit like what comes first, the chicken and the egg. And I love it. I love to think like <gasps> that we could, for some people, coming in at the brain set level is easier. You know, it's less triggering It's 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 um, than psychology. But actually, the mind influences the brain. The brain influences the mind. So, so my Breakthrough to Best You program is both informative, but also we do the work. We, we, we do the yeah. work. And the brain changes and learns and evolves when we're playful, when we're fun, when we're engaged. So... My approach that I've developed today, it, it's, it's not deep, dark, heavy, painful stuff. I'm not saying we're not processing painful material, and I'm in no way minimizing pain or trauma that people have experienced. But actually, what we know about our brains and minds today, we can actually shift and create very positive change um, in a way that isn't painful or lengthy. So. This all feeds into my mission because to me, I was brought up to not waste stuff. You know, I'm a, I'm a farmer's daughter. Um, <laughs> uh, my grandparents, you know, housed and hosted prisoners of war, evacuees, you know, don't waste is like literally running through my DNA. And to me, the biggest waste is to waste our potential, to not step into it. And life is hard. Life is painful. We all go through tough things. And that holds us back from stepping into who we were born to be. 
So I, I just genuinely, you know, I, I have this through line throughout my entire career. I just feel it's such a waste. So that's my, my 10 million minds mission. I, I'm constantly thinking of ways. How can I do this? If I do this one to one, I'm probably not going to live long enough, am I? You know, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is, yeah. which is why I'm, I'm moving into the online space, um, digital programs and this app, which can, which can go at scale with my amazing co-founder who knows all the tech stuff that I don't, <laughs> I don't know that stuff. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Oh my gosh, so great. Well, I could probably talk to you all day long because we have so many uh, topics in common that we both love to talk about. But I'm going to transition us into what I call the Rise Up and Be Visible Quick Tips. So these are four questions that I ask every guest. So we'll start with the first one. Visibility is, if you can fill in the blank and then tell me why you answered that way. Visibility starts with the invisible. It's the inner work, the personal growth, and showing up as the person you were born to be. Uh, what are you doing to be visible yourself? I'm constantly growing, investing in my growth, and pushing through that painful imposter syndrome voice <laughs> to step into new territories that I've not been in before through mm-hmm. in the online space, through large-scale virtual programs that I deliver live. All of this stuff is what I'm doing yes. to be more visible. Yeah. Love it. And what's the best leadership or career advice you've ever received? So much. But the shortest one, just three simple words when I was told by one of my coaches, own your fire. Ooh, say more about that quickly. <laughs> well, it's, it's about that authentic thing, that we all have our unique way of delivering whatever we deliver or contributing whatever we contribute. It's so easy to compare ourselves to others or see somebody doing it a different way that's successful and thinking, well, I need to do it that way then if I want my business to be a success or all of this comparison, comparing that we do all of the time. And he, he just said to me once, own your fire. And it really landed. I can't tell you how often that pops in my head when I'm thinking about doing something. Oh, no, maybe that's too innovative. Maybe people aren't ready for that. Or they, maybe I should do it in a safer way or a vanilla way, you know, a bit more. And I just remember. I love that. And especially in the world of so (laughs) much social media and comparison and trying to be what that other person is. And it just doesn't work because it's not authentic to you. I think that comes back to authenticity in so many ways. Love, 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 love. Okay. Last question. Uh, Any books that you may have read recently that you would recommend? I've been rereading a book and I'm, I think I'm loving it even more the second time than the first time. It's called The Element by the the late and very, very great Sir Ken Robinson. So this is an amazing book about how finding your passion changes everything. I I really recommend it. It's beautiful. And he talks about creativity in that point where natural talent and passion meet, just being in our element. Oh, love it. I have not heard of that one, so I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. 
I will add it to my list of many books that uh, I just, I don't know if I'm going to live long enough to read them all because I love to read them. Me too. (laughs) Me too, which is why when I chose to read one again, I'm thinking this is an investment of my time, but it's it's worth it. I love that. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, I loved our conversation even more today than I did our first time meeting and talking. I would highly recommend everyone to follow Allison on LinkedIn. She writes amazing articles and posts, very thought-provoking and thoughtful. And I am so excited that I reached out to you to have you on the podcast. I think you have shared some great wisdom today. One thing that I think just struck me the most is not leaning away from imposter syndrome, but actually somewhat embracing it and knowing it's going to happen and that you can move through it and you can say thank you. You know, I appreciate you're trying to help me, but we need to keep doing this thing because that's the hardest part. I think we listen to those angry Victoria voices, at least in my head sometimes, and they steer us in the wrong direction away from our potential. Absolutely. Oh, it's been such a pleasure to connect with you, Susan. I've really enjoyed meeting you and yeah, I would be thrilled if your listeners just just send me a connection request. I'd be so happy to connect Love with it. you. And I'll share all the links to your programs and everything in the notes so anyone can reach out to Allison or learn more about the work that she's doing in the world and help her reach her mission. It's a really big one, so you guys can help her. <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everybody for joining today on the Visibility Factor Podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor podcast.